Hey friends, this is Andy Storch, and I'm excited to announce that we are bringing the Talent Development Think Tank Conference back on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. Yes, you might remember we hosted this conference for the first time in January 2020, and it was a huge hit with everyone telling us it was the best conference they ever attended. And of course, we were looking forward to running it again in 2021 until the pandemic hit. That's when I launched the Talent Development Think Tank membership community, and that's been going strong since May of 2020. But I know how valuable it is to get people together in person, and that's why we are excited to be bringing the conference back again on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. I'm committed to making this a highly engaging and interactive event where you can connect, learn, and grow together with other talent development professionals. This is going to be the best event out there in talent development, and I would love to see you there. If you want to find more information and get your tickets today, the website is tdtt.us conference. That's tdtt.us slash conference. I hope to see you there. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat with your host, Andy Storch. The show is dedicated to helping you develop the most important part of your organization, the people. If you are in HR or talent development, or you just want to learn how to get the best out of your people, then you are in the right place. Each week, Andy shares interviews with talent development professionals, thought leaders, and experts to share best practices, learn about the latest trends, and find out what has been successful in the world of talent development. This podcast is designed to give you what you need to be successful in the world of talent development. Now, here's your host, Andy Storch. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I'm excited that you are joining me today for another great episode to help you up your game in talent development. And today, we are talking more about the intersection of DEI and talent development. The topic of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, of course, has become very popular over the last couple of years and one that we've tried to weave in to multiple episodes that we've done here on the Talent Development Hot Seat. And I'm excited to bring our guest on today, who is an expert in both DEI and people and culture and talent development. My guest today is Jorge Quesada, who is the Vice President of People and Culture at Granite Construction. In his role, Jorge is responsible for talent acquisition, workplace compliance, and inclusive diversity, where he helps the company implement strategies that address Granite's guiding belief that diverse backgrounds, perspectives, cultures, and experiences enhance creativity and innovation. He brings an innovative approach to diversity, equity, and inclusion, and looks to make a lasting impact at Granite and in the construction industry. Before joining Granite, Jorge served as Senior Director of Diversity and Inclusion, and Leadership Development at Northwestern Mutual and Chief Diversity Officer at Kraft Foods. He spent over 25 years at Allstate Insurance Company and held leadership roles in human resources, DEI, product operations, and more. Jorge has a bachelor's degree from Whittier College and an MBA from the University of Illinois at Chicago, and he's active in his community and on multiple boards. He's also a proud husband and father of two kids based in Sokol, California. And Jorge is someone that I connected with, I think on LinkedIn initially a few years ago, and we had a few conversations on Zoom. And I just was very impressed with everything that he had going on and what he had done and accomplished and what he was working on. And we just seemed to have plenty in common. And that came out, we had a really great conversation here. And you'll see that it's not just a sort of normal follow the script conversation about DEI and talent development, but really dive into some different topics around unconscious bias and geopolitics and race and diversity and what 
determines whether someone is diverse and how they want to be recognized and just a whole host of different things that we could have gone deeper into had we had more time. But I really appreciated Jorge sharing his perspective on everything that he has learned and been working on. And I know that you are going to get value out of this conversation as well. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Jorge Quesada about the intersection of DEI and talent development. All right. I'm joined now by Jorge Quesada, who is the Vice President of People and Culture at Granite Construction. Jorge, welcome to the show. Andy, thank you so much for having me. I have been looking forward to this day. You know, I circled it on my calendar. So thank you so much for the opportunity to be here with you. Well, I have as well. And I appreciate that, my friend. We connected, I, I think, through LinkedIn initially a couple of years ago. I remember we connected and got on Zoom a couple times, once with our mutual friend, Kay Fabella, and we were talking a lot about DEI back in 2020 around the time of the social yes. justice movement and how that's yes. impacting talent development and, and what's going on. And I think at that time, your role was more focused on DEI as a chief diversity and inclusion officer, and now you've moved into more of a broader talent Correct. development role. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, so I oversee and have the privilege of overseeing talent acquisition workforce compliance, and inclusive diversity here at Granite. Mm. And tell me a little bit about your background. How did you get into this space and into either DEI or talent development? So I started back in 1986 with Allstate as a recruiter. And then I worked my, navigated through various departments through the company. I, you know, I spent 25 years at, at Allstate and the last five, year 20, um, the chief diversity officer was asking around who had, you know, from a talent perspective, who had a business acumen and credibility, and at the same time was doing diversity and inclusion work at Allstate. And my name kept popping up. Um, it was presented to me. and because So I bring a business side, a business background. And so for the last five years, I did um, the diversity and inclusion work at Allstate. And then I had given myself kind of like a goal. I, th I thought, you know what, I want to become a chief diversity officer. And you know, one thing led to another and all of a sudden craft came calling and there I was the chief diversity officer following a gentleman by the name of Jim Norman, who I stole shamelessly ideas from, right? <laughs> uh, it was right down the street and Jim and I developed a great relationship. He's still someone who I, I reach out to and talk to I mean, I see every now and then. And then from there, I went over to Northwestern Mutual and then, you know, through just timing, you know, we wanted to get closer to family. And Granite Construction came calling, needed someone to start the practice here around diversity, equity, and inclusion. And the rest, as they say, is history, right? So three years have passed. And not only have we introduced the practice of inclusive diversity, but we've also now have the responsibility, as I mentioned, to oversee talent acquisition and workforce compliance. It's really great. And I didn't realize you spent so long in the insurance world and in financial services as well before making a pretty big move, right? I mean, you know, DEI, there, there's some things that are in talent development are, are similar across industries, but obviously very different industries. And construction, I haven't worked in construction, but, you know, my observation is it, it's a lot grittier, more blue collar, probably more male dominated than some of the other industries you were in. Sure. And one where maybe there wasn't as much focus in the past on TEI compared with other industries, right? So one, is that fair to say? And two, did that create a, a greater challenge for, okay, how do we change things now? So it's I, I love the way you positioned it because yeah. I think 
I think you're spot on on two out of the three. Okay. Right. And, and let me say it this way. I, I think that the perception is that it is a greater challenge because the industry is male dominated, like you say. Right. But at the same time, the irony behind, you know, what you just brought up, and this is why I say two out of the three, is, is that it fits this whole construct of how we talk about um, diversity. Right. We, we, we only know a certain percentage of the individual. It isn't mm. until we get to talk to them that we get to know them better. And the same thing holds true, I found out, coming to the construction industry, right? So on the surface, I could tell you that even I had biases, right? So when my son was four, we're getting ready for a Halloween parade. I dress him up as Bob the Builder. And my daughter, we dress her up as Minnie Mouse, right? Mm. We could not. And, and that was a time, too, that we were trying to dress both kids to look alike almost, right? Yeah. Like We wanted yeah. to make sure that we could see them at the park or whatever. <laughs> But we dressed her differently. And so my bias coming into the construction industry was was exactly the way on the surface we saw things. But because when you come into a company and you get to know them, you realize that the same challenges that exist in financial services, you know, if you were to close your eyes and ask yourself, describe to me a financial planner, what would you describe the person to be, right? Chances are you're yeah. going to see as a male, Right. Yeah. Tall, potentially. Most, most common. I mean, I know plenty of great you know, female yeah. oh, financial same planners. Here, and I do as well. Right. But if you're going to just generalize a, yes. a white male in his 50s, probably is your most typical financial advisor Correct. in the US. Correct. And we would say the same thing, you know, in construction. But one of the things that you come, you know, you realize is, is that there's different types of construction companies. There's vertical construction companies that specialize on a lot of the architectural type of design type work, right? I mean, you see the buildings that are going up. We happen to be one that does, they call horizontal, that we move a lot of the dirt. Hmm. So there's a lot of difference differences within the construction industry. So I think you're spot on in the sense that you could absorb it to be, observe it to be, I should say, to be one way. But in reality, there's opportunities just like it is in other industries as well. So what I'm hearing, our first lesson of the day right here is if you truly want to make an impact and ingrain yourself in an organization, you need to start by checking your assumptions and your biases at the door. Very much so. And getting to know the problem that you're trying to solve also, right? Because I think one of the things that happens is you can go into a room, like you can go into a room today and see all white males and say to yourself, there's no diversity in the room, mm. but you could be very wrong, right? Half the room could be married. Some of the people could be gay. Mm -hmm. Some of the people could be Christian, right? Mm -hmm. Some of the people could be Jewish. So the diversity dimensions are the things that you get to know once you get to start asking questions and knowing people, mm -hmm. not necessarily what you automatically see. But yep. that's what that's what our brains are trained to do, right? If you have a brain, you have a you're biased. Yeah. You know, and, and and that's the reality of, of of being a human being. If you have a brain, you are biased. It'd be the quote of the episode right here, right off the bat. Because it, <laughs> right it's off, true. Right. I mean, there's a reason why, and, and many organizations, right, have been running these programs on dealing with unconscious bias. There's a reason why it's called unconscious bias because it Correct. exists under the surface, right? Correct. Correct. And some of it is, you know, and if you want to geek out on neuroscience, right, some will argue it's it's your subconscious, right? Yeah. That is truly like the one that you can react to very quickly, your unconscious stuff is stuff that you find yourself that you have to tap into deep, right? Because truly you're unconscious, right? Yeah. But it's the, but it's subconscious is, is the, like the next level yeah. from conscious, subconscious, unconscious. It's sort of in between. But the yeah. idea in general is 
we have these biases that come from, you know, years and years of our upbringing and our peers and wherever we come from and all that sort of stuff, right? Society. And we make statements and we treat people a certain way unknowingly, right? We don't know how it impacts other people or how it makes other people feel until someone brings it to our attention. Yes. And, and it's your brain protecting you, right? Mm -hmm. Your brain is like one of the biggest recall mechanisms that we have. It stores things so that when we are confronted something that, that we don't know anything about, it's searching for what do you know that's safe? What do you know that's something that's similar? Oh, let me act this way. Let me say this. Let me do that. Let, you know, your brain helps you navigate through life that way. Yeah. And it's basically what you've stored over time that allows it to recall so that you can act accordingly. Yeah. Sort of like whenever a salesperson calls me or knocks on my door, I always bristle. I'm like, ah, I don't want to talk to this person. But like, I have to remind myself, you know, they're a human just trying to, you know, show you some things that hopefully of value. And I'm personally in sales myself. So maybe yes. I should give them a chance. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well said. Yes. Yeah. Well said. So I'm curious, as you, you've moved into this broader role, and now you get an opportunity to work on talent development as well as DEI and all the other things, workforce effectiveness and planning, as you mentioned, what's your general philosophy on talent development and making sure that your organization, especially the people in your organization, are growing and getting the development that they, they need? No, I appreciate that question, because what comes to mind for me is, is, a, is something not not as a quote, but just as a concept that I've been playing with, right? If you can't notice the potential, how will you ever notice the achievement or appreciate the achievement? And let me walk you through it. So in diversity, equity, and inclusion, the three things that I think we want people to do, and and kind of translates over to talent development, I believe, is can you notice? Can you notice the difference? Can you, are you curious enough, right? to be sympathetic about what your note, you know, what, mm. what is in front of you. Yeah. And then the second thing is, can you then take that to understand who they are, how they feel? That's almost like the empathy side of the work. Right. And then ultimately, how do you take intent and nudge so that you can have impact? And that's how do you act? So can, can you notice, can you understand and can you act? And how I translate that over to talent development, I think we have to be always aware of noticing potential, noticing how you could take someone from point A to point B in their development. Then can you understand, can you get to know through a diagnostic of some kind to understand what development do they need? And then how do you act? How do you take action? Because the word intent by itself, Mm -hmm. to me, if I look at it as a dictionary, right, it's very passive. Intent rests in your heart and in yep. your mind. That right. means you're about to do something. Right. But if you think about the Doesn't action you that you're going to take, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, so how do you, how do you take someone that says, "Wow, that person"? Think about this. How many times, from a talent development per- perspective, have we seen someone and said, "Wow, that person could be a senior leader in our organization," and then you find out they've only with the company two years. Hmm. And there we go into bias again, right? Now yeah. you're thinking, oh my God, they're going to have to do this, do this, do that. But you just said they could be a senior leader. Right. So the question is, you notice them. How do you understand their development and their trajectory? And then what actions do you take to put them on the right path to become that senior leader that your gut told you that they could be? Mm. So that's how I would set that answer your question 
It's just those three things. Notice, understand, and act. Notice, understand, and act. And the underlying theme I hear, at least at the beginning of that, is leading with curiosity. And this goes back to getting away of assumptions, because like you said, you could walk into a room of 30 white men and, and assume, oh, there's not much diversity here until you get curious and ask people questions and find out where they're from and what they're interested in and what their life is like and what experience they have and understand that there's a lot more below the surface, but you won't find that out unless you start getting curious. Correct. Yes. Well said. Yes, exactly. And the other thing you talked about, intent versus action, something I think a lot about, reminded me of a riddle I heard a long time ago, which is that I think there's three frogs sitting on a log and one of them decides to jump off. How many frogs are left? Help me. That's still- a- there's still three because one of them decided, but he didn't. It, it didn't actually oh, jump. There you go. Actually jump. I didn't say. Didn't say one of them jumped off. He just like you know what? I'm. I think I'm going to. But nice. doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Nice. Can I steal that from you? Can yeah. I go ahead. That? Yeah. Of That's course. Impressive. Take it all yes. day long. I didn't make it up. Yes. Oh my god. But, it, That's but it brilliant. Is, it, it's like yeah. Kind of. It shows you that difference between intent and action. Intent is great, and you could say. I really want to do X, Y, Z in my career, or I want to reward that person or find a role for this person or you know, whatever it may be. But until you take action on it, it it's not going to necessarily matter. Or you could say, I want to be a great ally and, and help improve, you know, create more of an inclusive culture. Mm-hmm. But what are you actually doing, dear yes. company or leader, to make that happen? Correct. Yeah. And I think I think that's why this has happened in the last, I would tell you, the last four years. And the reason why I can be that definitive, I just remember having this conversation with Rod, Ron Adams over at Northwestern Mutual. And he said this to me. He goes, you know what? I think I think this is about impact. It's not about intent anymore. And mm. we just left it there. But every time we get together, we always go back to that because we really believe and we have this conviction that says this is about action. And, yeah. and the way you said it, I think um, you're, you know, you're spot on in the sense of, you're you could say you're an ally mm-hmm. unless you have action you're really not an ally yeah you're just someone that's been thinking about it just like that frog yeah right? and i've been that person i remember having that moment of realization after the the rise of the social justice movement in 2020 mm-hmm. and thinking like mm-hmm. oh no i'm one of those people that i'm friends with everybody i don't see color i don't have biases etc and then i go look mm-hmm. at okay well who's been on my podcast and mm-hmm. you know have i had a lot of people of color. Well, no, I really haven't. It's mostly been, you know, my white women and men. So let me make a di- maybe let me make a change and mm. invite more of a diverse selection of people onto the podcast. Let me make sure that I'm having more conversations with people, exposing myself to different points of view, learning from people, getting really curious, having those hard conversations. And really what I want to do, what I wanted to do was set an example for others to be able to do that as well. Because like you said, there's a difference between and I think a lot of people you know, were sitting around like, well, I'm not part of the problem because I, I love everybody, right? But well, what are you doing? It's not just about not getting in the way. It's about, well, how are you helping other people you know, achieve more equality and inclusiveness, all that sort of stuff? Yeah. And you know, it's interesting you, you mentioned that because I think what comes to mind for me is that we all, look, we all can look in the mirror and we say to ourselves that I'm a good person. Mm-hmm. But that's, you have to understand that that's a relative perspective, right? That's it's right. relative to you. Yeah. And the it's not you that determines how good you are. It's the people around you. And you talked right. about this, that from a bias perspective as well. And, and I think it's important that we also acknowledge something in the way you talked about your podcast. And I think this is where people sometimes feel comfortable in the word intent. Mm. 
that you say the word intent and I give you that definition, you go like, you know what, intellectually, I understand what that means, but you were intentional, right? So that mm. was like, you took action to do yeah. something. So when people rest being intentional, they think they're okay. The big thing is, did you make an impact? That is why we go from intent to impact, right? We don't want to, we want, we want to go beyond intent. We want to go beyond intentionality, like the, that, that aspect of action. We want to make impact. So the fact that you've had more people of color, that's the impact that you're making. So, you know, kudos to you for that. Yeah. Well, thank you. I mean, I hope, I hope that's making an impact, but we're always learning and trying to get better. That's why I love having these conversations, try to learn as mm -hmm. much as we can from other people. And that's what this podcast was all about to start. So why wouldn't we dive more into that? So let's get back to, you know, how do we address some of these things from an organizational standpoint? Mm. And, you know, you came in, you were overseeing, you know, DEI, building a more inclusive culture. And actually you said something at the very beginning of this podcast, I wanted to come back to, you said you came in and you were introducing a practice of inclusive diversity. And I don't know if I've heard it said exactly that way. I'm curious what you mean by that. So I will tell you that in the 30 plus years I've been in corporate America and in the 20 years, I, I think I could say safely, yeah, 15 to 20 years, because I was also the president of an employee resource group. So I give myself credit for that, right? Okay. Yeah. Take it. I mean, if you're putting your resume together, you're going to add yeah, that yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to add that on there. I'm going right. to add that on there, right? I would tell you that I think companies, when you talk about diversity and inclusion, I'm not even getting into equity, belonging. Right. We can talk about that, but just let me say it this way. I think companies have decided, just like when Happy Meals were a thing, right? Some kids would eat the hamburger and not the French fries. Yeah. Some kids would eat the French fries and not eat the hamburger. And when you think of diversity and inclusion, because of that ampersand in the middle, some companies did the representation play and did the diversity. Yeah. But then people would come in and because they didn't think about the environment they were trying to create, mm -hmm. they weren't inclusive, the people would leave. Right. Right. Some folks would focus on the inclusion and not think about the diversity and have great environments, right? Free lunches, yeah. ping pong table, foosball, right. you name it cleaner yeah. service and all kinds of stuff. But you walk in and there wasn't the diversity that was needed. Yeah. So then you had companies who try to do both at the same time, right? But because cognitively they couldn't pull it off, they only got to a certain point. And so one of the things that I realized, and, and, and this is something that I picked up from Allstate, right? Because Tom Wilson was the CEO at the time who really, in a lot of ways, didn't coin the phrase, but really said, this is what we have to do. We have to be inclusive of all the diversity that we have. So when I came here to Granite, one of the things that I realized was because I had this perception, like you said at the beginning, that construction was going to be made up of all white males and mm -hmm. it wasn't going to be any diversity. I could tell you almost 30% of our population is Latino, right? Yeah. And so there was already a pool. There was already representation. But at the same time, even within the population of white males, which was Right now, we're hovering at our close to like 65%. They were diverse also. So I thought, you know what? This has to be about, we have to be diverse for all who are here. So we have to practice inclusive diversity. We have to be inclusive for the diversity that we have here today, tomorrow, and into the future. Because mm. we couldn't teach this in kind of like a very, what do I call it, a sequential way. So now we're going to do ERGs. 
Now we're going to do that now, or now we're going to do, we're going to focus on black people. We're going to focus on Hispanic. We're gonna focus, yeah. You can't do it that way because there's so many diversity dimensions that we have to think about. Today, I was on a call and we got some feedback that we need to be more outspoken about the invisible di disabilities that exist within a company like Granite. That mm. was powerful, right? Because that meant that we had safety with someone calling that, raising their hand and calling that out. Yeah. And, and that's different than just focusing on race and gender, right? So that's why we talk about we want to be inclusive of all the diversity. So we practice inclusive diversity. And also, not that it's ironic, because I don't want to present it that way, but in the middle of the word inclusion is the word us. Hmm. Just pause on that. You yeah. can't be inclusive unless you're thinking about us, all of us. So that's why we call it inclusive diversity. They say there's no I in team, but there is us in inclusion. In inclusion, I like yes. I like yes. that. COVID-19 pandemic and 2020 changed everything in business and talent development. Almost overnight, companies were forced to figure out how to engage their employees remotely and run their development programs virtually. Luckily, Advantage Performance Group has been running a webinar series and releasing free resources throughout the last year and beyond. Advantage is a proud sponsor of the Talent Development Hot Seat. It's known for creating, learning, and consulting solutions that equip individuals, teams, and organizations to be the best at what they do. Advantage helps leaders lead, sellers sell, and businesses flourish. To join our webinar series and find more of our free resources, just head on over to AdvantagePerformance.com. That's AdvantagePerformance.com. So many things I want to ask you about here. Yep. But you mentioned different, you know, diverse backgrounds. You mentioned people of color, you mentioned Latinos. And one thing I wanted to ask you about, because there's certainly been, we talk about diversity, we talk about inclusion, the social justice movement, a lot of attention paid to more representation for people of color. That's often associated more with the black community. I feel like there's plenty of buzz around LGBTQ and I guess I shouldn't say plenty because someone might construe that to say like, oh, we are, we're, everything's fine, but you know, never enough, right? We're always getting better. I guess what I mean to say with this preamble is that I don't hear as much about representation of the Hispanic and Latino community, one that I know that you are actively involved with. So I'm curious, mm -hmm. what's your perspective on that and where that community is with regard to representation and being involved in DEI in general? You know, that is a question with the answer could be many layers, right? Yeah, yeah. And I will tell you one of the layers that stands out for me, which is pretty obvious, right? I think when we talk about Black Lives Matter and how important it is to really understand what is being said by that statement, right? Mm -hmm. Like, hey, pay attention. Black yeah. lives matter. Don't right. dismiss Black people, right? Right. I think the polarization that is taking place and until we solve how black people are treated, have been treated in this country, it will always be about black and white. Yeah. And so what happens is the people in the middle, which in this case, right, happen to be Latinos in Latinos, your example. Latinos, maybe Asian Americans, certainly exactly. plenty of other people, right? Yeah. But plenty of other people who are in the middle. I don't think we have to wait to determine like, hey, what about us, right, right. kind of thing. Right. But I think what, what's happening, though, is I think we haven't resolved the issues in the black community in the no. sense of, of getting to the root cause of things, right? So that's one layer. I would tell you a second layer is there's a race element to it that I think people need to understand. And I'm going to give you my Jorge Quesada perspective. 
I'm from originally from Salvador de Salvador, right? So I come from Central America. Mm. I come to this country and I have to select whether I'm Hispanic or Latino. Hmm. All, all my life, I've said I'm Latino because my language says I'm Latino, hmm. right? So then I choose Latino. Then the next click, right, is I have to tell you what race I am. Hmm. And think about this. There's, only, there's five to six, right? White, Black, Asian American, Pacific Islander, Indigenous. And then there's, um, I said, did I say Asian American? Yeah. I think I did, right? Pacific Islander. And then there's other. So all of a sudden, I could be a someone who's Hispanic Latino and classify myself as white. I could do that and be Afro Latino, Afro Hispanic. Mm -hmm. If you were in Peru, you may find some you know folks that are Asian that are, consider themselves Latino also. Yeah. But 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 I just share that with you because I think the issue of like you could be you could be Hispanic Latino and still be considered white. And walk around and with privilege, and no one knows that you're Hispanic or Latino. Mm. I know a lot of people, Andy, that look just like you, right? That are Latino, right? Either uh, Cuban, Venezuelan descent, mm. Colombian descent, right? And and I share that with you because sometimes maybe that allows us to step back from that conversation. I don't need to get involved in it. So some some can assimilate. Right, not just as necessarily a culture rate, but could assimilate and be known as American. Mm -hmm. So you have that playing with you. That so that's another layer from a Jorge Quesada perspective, right? Yep. The final perspective is, I would tell you that I think we're trying to find our own identity, also, right? So you said Hispanic, Latino. There's Latinx, Latine. Like I've I've started telling people when they ask me, so what do you? what do you classify as? And I say, I'm Latin American. That even blows their mind too, right? Because it's like, oh my God, I got to think about that one too. Yeah. So in your question, there are so many layers that us trying to navigate, the people in my community trying to navigate, while at the same time, being attentive to the sensitivity of the issues of the Black community, right, that exists in the United States. This is not about who suffered the most Olympics, right? Like right. We're, we're not we're not trying to get the gold medal, silver medal, or bronze medal right. on this thing. And we're trying to be real about it. But depending, you know, there's immigration issues that we still mm -hmm. need to navigate through, right? There's issues around people doing some jobs and not getting paid enough to pick the lettuce, tomatoes here in California, mm -hmm. people being shipped from different parts of the country. You know, there's all kinds of things that are happening, but the attention is not there. Sorry for getting long-winded like that, but you were, okay. you asked a complex question. I yeah. asked the question. Yeah, it's sort of like let you go where you want to go with it. Yeah. And I was just thinking as you're saying that we live in this interesting time where on the one hand, we want to really identify and recognize people and respect people from for where they come from and who they are and the culture. And on the other hand, a lot of people just want to say, I'm American. I'm part of this overall culture. I don't want you to call me out for being black or Latino or whatever it is. Right. Yeah. And yes. So yeah. it reminded me of that when you said, well, some people ask you, well, what are you? A lot of people don't yeah. want to answer that question. Right. They no. just want to like, what do you mean? What am I? It's offensive to some people and other people are very proud of their heritage where they come from. So that's another like complication that we, we get to figure out when working with people. And I'll tell you, maybe this is why I say I'm Latin American. Right. Because I will tell you, I was born in El Salvador, but I was born a Latin American. 
right? Mm. I'm part of the Americas. You got to remember, right? Like we're <laughs> North America, Central America, and South yeah. America. So there's people in South America and they'll say, I'm South American. Like I'm, I am an American, mm. but be because I think what's happened from a U.S. centric point of view in our thinking, yeah. you know, people will say, well, you're from America. Okay. I got you. United States of America. Right. I, I, yeah. I get that construct. Yeah. I, I think that's the uniqueness or the yeah. attention we have to pay to where people, how they define themselves, what they say. Right. And, you know, so yeah. I blame this <laughs> is the challenge. This is the challenge that comes up when you had a, one or two people who came over from Europe and just named everybody and ever, just decided what everybody is going to be, you know, relative to where they are. And we just had, you and I recorded this, we just had yeah. either Columbus Day or Indigenous People Day earlier this week, mm -hmm. you know, taking it back to thinking about that history of how it came apart. And now we get to figure out who we are today. Well, no, I tell you, and I think that has happened, like it happened in Australia, right? Mm. When people landed in Australia and said, this is our country, you know, yeah. we're the only, and the Aborigines had been there forever, right? You know, it, yeah. it's, it's amazing. It's, 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 it's stuff that I think we have to be aware of, understanding, have an understanding of, and appreciate the cultural nuances that exist within, a, in, 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 in wherever, you know, whatever country, mm -hmm. because, you know, there's a, there's an amazing song that's, that, that is happened to be Mexican, Norteña type of music. And it says that, you know, when it comes to immigration, we didn't cross the border. The border crossed us, hmm. you know, because there was people already living right here in this yeah, country. There was no border. <laughs> there was no border, right? It was created. It was created through purchasing, through aggression, war, you, mm -hmm. you whatever it is, right? And yeah. it was claimed. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, well, that's why people in New Mexico, there's like generations of people right mm -hmm. that that have lived in that state even arizona that have been here forever california as well and mm -hmm. you know they they claim this land right so anyway yeah um That's a lot a lot to discuss right yeah uh, in a question like you asked oh i'm i'm very tempted to go down this rabbit hole of geopolitics but we don't have time for that but i want to come back yep. bring us back to more of a organizational cultural perspective one thing i wanted to ask you about I know you are also big on leadership and you know developing leaders, and that seems to be an essential element when you are creating any type of culture, making any type of change, and especially implementing cultural changes to improve diversity, equity, and inclusion. You need your leaders involved in that, right? So what are some things that you've done or you've noticed best practices to get leaders on board to creating a more inclusive culture? So I'm going to start with by telling you, you know, bringing back the notice, understand, and act. Mm. I think I think leaders, and over time, I don't know how it happened, Andy, but we've compartmentalized all these strategies, right? So yeah. for instance, it's Monday from 9 to 10, I'm going to do development, my personal development. Yeah. From 1 to 3, I'm going to do my team development. On Tuesdays, I'm going to do inclusive diversity. Uh, you know, we we do these. Now I'm going to do performance management. Now I'm going to work on my expense. So, and 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 in a lot of ways, some people work fine that way and are efficient that way. But I'll tell you, the 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 life of a leader is when you could take all these strategies and do them not not at the same time because I don't want to get into this conversation about can you multitask. But how cool would it be that on Monday when you're meeting with Andy, I'm also thinking about your development. I'm also thinking about the fact that, you know, 
I need you to be aware of the people that report to you and who are the people that we're going to put on a development plan. I'm also going to talk to you about your goals and where do you need to improve, right? I can bring it all together. And so when you ask me about best practices, I go back to, can we take advantage of the opportunities that are right in front of us? And, and that's one of the reasons why we talk about notice. And I think sometimes we don't get to the person, the woman that needs the development until it's her time to meet with the leader, right? We're not talking to Andy about the person who we should be thinking about in leadership five years from now and what plan are we going to put in place? So it's how to think more holistically that I think we need to get better at. That's the first thing. The understanding of what the person needs, we all have aspirations, right? And it's not, it, no one has the market cornered on aspiration. And we have to find out early on if a woman, a person of color, whoever it is, what is their long-term plan around development for themselves? And then how do I help them get there? And I think we have to like almost identifying that that's our purpose. You know, leadership is about really taking that mirror that you look inside and you think of yourself and remove it and think about the people that report into you. The minute that you start thinking leadership is serving others, that's that's the game changer, mm -hmm. right? Purpose, yep. purpose is the other side of what's in it for me, right? I read that quote somewhere that if we were looking at a street, on my side of the street is what went, what's in it for me. Across the street is serving others. That's purpose. And so if we look at this as being intentional, being purposeful, mm -hmm. game changer. So, so at a high level, I would tell you that that's the kind of stuff we've done. Now, at a more operational and tactical level, very quickly we realized we needed to accelerate the development in the frames that, that we looked at. In some companies, we have very mature type of, of strategies, right? You need to sit in this job for five years, then you go to this one, you sit in three, this one you have to do two, or this one you have to do this job and get this type of experience before you can get this experience. And what we're not asking ourselves is what behaviors, what capabilities do we need for this job over here? That person may already have the capabilities or the behaviors needed but it's in our frames that we've said, you need to do these types of jobs before we put you in here. Because here's the, here's the retort to that. We have a lot of people that have failed, right? In our very constructs, three years here, five years here, five years over here, we put them mm -hmm. in leadership and they fail. Mm -hmm. So it's not the, ten, the time spent in these things. It comes down to the behaviors and the capabilities of that individual of leading themselves out of a wet paper bag, right? If they can do that, like leadership is one aspect of it. Having the experience is another one. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some things as credibility, right? Standing in a group of people and they need to see that their leader has a knowledge. I get that. And let's do that. But yep. so we've developed programs that are accelerating the development of people within Granite. And now, you know, we've decided to go even deeper into our, our talent pipeline to strengthen it. You can't, it would be the same thing as, as, as saying to a group of a thousand people, right? Um, how many out of this thousand people have the potential to get married? And the only people you look at are people with engagement rings, right? Or that have been engaged. It's, it's back to that frog, right? Mm, it's like, yeah. it's, everyone has the potential. Right. The, the question is, if you only look at the people that are engaged, 
you only limit yourself and you're thinking who else is out there that can get into leadership. So that's the thing that we're starting to look at more. Interesting. So opening your mind to who has the potential to be in leadership, uh, shifting the conversation and, and making sure people are clear what is leadership about, which is about serving others. As you mentioned, I always like to say yep. leadership is is all about empowering and enabling the people on your team to, to succeed and, and get their job done. And you talk about that purpose being on the other side of, of what's in it for me. Purpose really truly is about serving others. And when you yes. connect with that as a leader, you truly can do that. And I do believe it, it comes back to you. And so you, you start with that framework and then you talk about, okay, how do you develop leaders so that they understand how to act and how to have those conversations and, and how to be a leader and recognizing that some people are not cut out for it, right? That maybe they Correct. are excel as an individual contributor. We often promote them as a result, and then they're put in leadership position, which either don't want to do, or they're not very capable of. So can we recognize that and put people in positions that are more suitable to their strengths? Because I think we what, what default to is if they can do the job, they can lead. And I don't know if that's the right frame, mm -hmm. right? That uh, because that well, if they feels can do like it, they can tell other people how to do it, right? That's kind of I think that's the underlying assumption behind all yes. of this. Well, they did it well, so they should be able to tell other people how to do it. And and sometimes people are not like that, mm -hmm. right? They can't translate. That's why sometimes great athletes can't make good coaches, right? Yeah, absolutely. And there are great coaches who weren't not very good athletes, right? You look at the top athletes out there; they all have coaches. 99% of the time, their coaches were never as good as they were, Correct. but they see the game differently. They see the sport in a certain way that can help them. Okay. Last question I want to ask you, yep. Jorge, is, and you could take this wherever you want to go with it, but it's about the intersection of talent development and DEI. And mm. I know a lot of people, you know, DEI was sort of in its own silo for many years. And, you know, since 2020, certainly many companies, most companies have been trying to ingrain it in everything they do. Talent development, I believe, feels very connected to the DEI space. So how do we integrate that, especially that idea of inclusion, more into everything we do within learning and development to make sure everything we do is more inclusive? So I would tell you that in the short term, if all you do in succession planning, so let's say you're, and I'm going to try to be as broad as possible because I'm crossing type of industries here. Yeah. But if you're, if you're doing succession planning for VP, if you're only looking at your senior directors and directors, right? The one click, two clicks down, and there aren't any people of color or women, you have the responsibility to go triple click, do a four clicks, fifth clicks down. And then what you have to ask yourself, it's not not only the VP pipeline that needs help. It's also that director and senior director pipeline that needs help. So then you have to focus your attention on people coming into the organization quickly, right? Entry level. And what type of diagnostics do you, you utilize to give you the insight to notice that talent at the lowest levels of an organization to put them in their development plan? Because the, I think one of the biggest, I think, mistakes that we make is not think about the black woman who just started at your company, and that goes back to potential. Mm -hmm. You brought her into the company because you felt like she was the best person for the job. So therefore, she has the potential to be more than just an entry-level employee. She has the potential of being into leadership, or you never would have brought her in. Because if all you did was bring her in as 
an entry level employee, you are, are, are not doing the job that that the, your company needs to do to bring in talent into the room. And I think that's for another day and another conversation. How you know what people are you looking for? But in this scenario, you brought in the best person that has potential. So why not put her into a development plan that gets her to a leadership role faster? Because you already know that you want her. Now develop her. That's what I would say that, that I think that's the, when you can start doing that, you'll find, because more, in most organizations, the more diversity is at the lower levels of the organization. Oh yeah, always. Right? So you have to go down to those levels the first three levels and determine who has the potential there and develop them to fill that pipeline of directors and senior directors. Because if that's all you're looking for in succession planning, then you're going to keep repeating the same mistakes, right? You're going to be bringing the same people. And then what happens is the people at the lowest levels are going to self-select out of leadership. So it shouldn't shock you if you go to a woman and saying, hey, you know what? And now she's, a, let's say she's an analyst. She's not a director yet or a senior manager. And you go to her and you, go to her and you say, hey, Cindy, we think you have a lot of potential to be a VP and we'd love to move you to, you're in Los Angeles, move to Chicago. She's going to say, she may say, I'm not interested. You know, I'm happy here in LA. Mm -hmm. I don't want to move. And all of a sudden your idea of developing, you should have talked to her when she was an entry level person, right? That's what I've noticed very quickly. Now there's other nuances that play out depending on industry, depending on location that we can go deeper, but at a high level, that's what I would say. But it's, it's identifying the people you want, the diversity that you want at the top level, and then going down to the lower levels of the organization and starting that development earlier, grooming people for where you want to help them get to. They may not all get there. They may self-select out or choose not to go or make that move, whatever, like you said. And I was just thinking, how, how flattering and, and cool would it be to come into an organization and hear, not only are we going to work to help you become really good at your job, but we're already starting we want to provide development for you to grow into this VP role at some point. You know, we don't have no guarantees, but yep. we, we want to help you get there. That would be really cool. Yeah. You know, human capital planning is a broad topic, right? But it's an important topic to think about how strategic can you be with it and how cool would it be to say, hey, you know what? In five years, our senior directors are going to look like this. Our directors are going to look like this. Our senior managers are going to look like this. But if you're only focusing on one level, like VP, don't be shocked that you're not going to see anyone there. So this is why DEI and talking to someone who's in the practice would be helpful to a leader. It's fantastic. Jorge, this has been wonderful. There's so many things we could talk about, continue this conversation probably for hours, but we're going to wrap things up here. If anybody wants to reach out and connect with you, to have more of a conversation dialogue about this, I would imagine LinkedIn is the best place for them to go. It, it is the best place. Um, I, I tell you what, you know, send me a note that you heard um, the conversation on your, your podcast, Andy, right? Yep. And then I'll connect it and I'll respond right away. Unfortunately, yep. LinkedIn also has been a great way to market. And yeah. so we have a, a lot of people doing a lot of marketing. You gotta explain things. yourself. Context. Yes, Context exactly. is very, very important. And you have a podcast as well, right? It's, we do construction DEI talks. So it's a podcast uh, with Granite and Rosa Den have partnered up to talk about diversity, equity, inclusion in the construction industry. But um, we get into topics like this, like we just had, yeah. you know, and so it's fun. Right. So yeah, thank you we, for bringing that up. Yeah, you're welcome. If you're in construction or DEI in general, go check that out. And Jorge, I really appreciate you coming on. Thanks again for being here. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Appreciate you. 
All right, that will do it for my conversation with Jorge Quesada from Granite Construction. I hope you got value from that, especially if you work on DEI, you think about DEI and how you incorporate that more into the work you do in talent development. I knew that one would be valuable for quite a few people out there. I definitely enjoyed it, and I always enjoy my conversations with Jorge. I can't wait to share with you the bonus Q&A conversation I had with Jorge because There's more great value in that one, and I'll be out in just a couple days. I've also got Jorge signed up to come speak in the Talent Development Think Tank community in a few months, going to come up in February, I think, of 2023. So if you want to hear more from Jorge and you are not a member of our community, come check it out. I don't know what you're waiting for. It is the best community out there for talent development professionals. We bring in guest speakers on a regular basis like Jorge. We have open forum calls to help people solve challenges and share best practices. We have a private Slack channel where people share questions and resources and help each other out. And we have recordings from all those calls as well. Tons and tons of great resources. It's really the best community out there in talent development. So if you haven't joined yet and you've been thinking about it, maybe now is the time. Our website is tdtt.us. And we also have a conference coming up in February of 2023, February 22nd and 23rd, the Talent Development Think Tank Conference is coming to Sonoma, California, and it is one that you do not want to miss. It's going to be the best conference in talent development. It's going to give you an opportunity to learn from so many different people and connect with so many great people in talent development really effortlessly. It's going to be so easy. We're going to make it easy for you to connect with people in talent development. It's what the conference is all about, and I know you want to go. So you can get all the information and your tickets by going to our website, which is tdtt.us slash conference. That's tdtt.us slash conference. Thank you again for listening and stay tuned because in a couple days, I'll be releasing our bonus Q&A round with Jorge Casada, and it is a good one. Thanks again for listening to the Talent Development Hot Seat. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to leave us a rating and review on iTunes to help other people find the show. And as always, you can find all of our episodes and tons of free resources on our website, talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. Thank you again. Take care.